Welcome to the Digestible Dynamics Podcast, a podcast for the innovators from the experts. We know that you're busier than ever, and the last thing you need as a business applications innovator is a lengthy, drawn-out podcast where you walk away with the possibility of learning something new. Well, that's how the Digestible Dynamics Podcast is different. Each episode will contain one digestible tidbit about Dynamics 365 that you can immediately apply to your business. With the combined experience of three decades in the business application space, Dr. KJ and I understand that the power of technology is not about the features and functions, but rather the value it can bring to your business to help you transform and drive growth. That's why we'll focus on the most useful things that you need to know about the Dynamics 365 platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Digestible Dynamics Podcast, your number one source for snackable tidbits to help you optimize your Dynamics 365 experience. Dynamics 365 is a business application solution intended to help organizations automate processes, streamline workflows, and gather rich business insights to drive growth and empower employees. Across various industries that we've interviewed on this podcast, that is how each industry is utilizing Dynamics 365. The healthcare industry is no different. Instead of customer experience, healthcare organizations are focused on improving the overall patient experience. One company, Nudesic, has taken the Dynamics 365 platform and created NewCare, which is a cloud-based platform that provides healthcare organizations with a comprehensive suite of solutions to improve patient care, operational efficiency, and regulatory compliance. Now, our guest today, Rion, who is a senior director at Nudesic, breaks down what NewCare is, and how it leverages Dynamics 365 to empower healthcare organizations and improve patient experiences. However, before we learn more about NewCare, let's first learn about our guest. Rion is a senior director in Nudesic's business application practice, where he specializes in large-scale deployment architecture and industry verticals. He has extensive experience in the healthcare and life sciences, hospitality, real estate, and financial service sectors and is currently leading the development of Nudesic's community care management and credentialing solutions. Rion is passionate about interoperability, platform architectures, and whole person care. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Digestible Dynamics podcast. This week, we have Rion from Nudesic to talk about new care. So Rion, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful. And for our listeners who don't know what New Care is, I believe it's a care management platform by Nudesic. Could you help us understand a little bit more context as to what that actually is? Yeah. So normally when you think care management, you uh, most people think more like the clinical scenario. So this scenario really is about communities. So how do you get people, let's say, with disabilities? How do they get the services they need? Um, on the other side, in a community, let's say there is a special, um, this specific community is looking at services for um, young mothers kind of thing, then how do you get them to the right services? How do you guide them? How do you make sure there's transportation, including how to get them to physicians and the whole um, progression, but actually very specifically from a community perspective. So another one we see a lot is for elderly care. So there are specific CMS programs called PACE around people wanting to live at home. So how do you actually manage those cases? And what makes it 
different from normal case management is the person is their case all of their life. So we start talking longitudinal patient records. Um, you know, one of the systems in California, the system we replaced was 30 years old. And okay. all of that data, how to tie all of that together. So, you know, giving the classic 360 view, but actually it's a lot of data. So how do you make it actually consumable for people trying to help this person in the current state of their lives? Love that. And there's also then, as part of it also is to look at um, person-centered care. Um, that's been coming up more and more over the last couple of years where people don't want services done to them. They want services that fulfill their needs. So how do I understand what someone needs and desires and fit that to services that actually give value and quality to their life? And how do I actually then monitor it to make sure we give them the services they deserve and need, but also to make sure that they use that services and that it actually helped them progress across to their goals. Fantastic. And I love that. And I think patient care and just healthcare in general, especially with the advent of, uh, you know, with technology happening and things like that, that's going to be the future, how we integrate utilizing technology and, and how we take care of ourselves. And for listeners who, who may not understand, is this built on Dynamics 365? It is. So we've got three kinds of deployments. We've got a deployment for um, with the service module for Dynamics 365. We've got one that bolts onto Cloud for Healthcare with all its extra components, specifically if there is a big clinical component. And then also one that's natively Power Apps where it's um, specifically really low-cost environments. But our preferred solution is Dynamics 365 um, services modules and then Cloud for Healthcare. No, Rian, no, thank you so much. And I would love to understand what you are doing with AI, right? That is the hottest topic out here. So, you know, I'm sure the listeners definitely want to know, how are you utilizing AI within your platform and then tying it back in to Dynamics 365? A couple of ways. Um, A big thing currently has been for the last couple of years is obviously equality and access. And one of the things that's sort of a core to that actually turns out to be translation. Um, giving people access to their content um, in the languages they want, need, can read, that their caregivers can read and can write and can listen to. And some of the newer things we've seen with OpenAI using the translation plugins produce an incredibly high quality response because not just as they do the translation, but after translating it, it then formats it into better natural language. So giving a better translation experience. Um, so we started building that into our apps to say, well, pretty much any language you can think of, you can present that back to your consumer in that language. So that's the one side of it. The other side is specifically, um, there's a lot of regulations. So we're, um, and this is still in early release because, um, you know, we're starting to push it out, but it's a slightly more higher risk um, situation where we actually give the chat um, 
AI effectively the list of um, regulations and ask it to generate us a rule set. And then when services get defined and selected, we use that rule set to actually then say, well, is this a valid service for these conditions for the specific consumer? Or in the area they are, is this service actually being delivered? Because, and then that's a big thing. There are so many services out there and it takes so much time to do eligibility to make sure all the points are covered. So the ability to say, here is my legal rules, throw it in, come up with a rule, and then help me qualify. Um, takes a lot of the sort of person time away where they can now focus on their consumer instead of having to um, day-to-day do that process. So it's all about more consumer face time effectively with the case managers. And then the third one we do is um, specifically around when we actually take data available for that consumer and allow people providing services to ask questions of the data set. So if you're going to present a specific service, you can actually use um, our virtual agent to ask specific things about the consumers you're servicing. And that's, that's starting to run. I think it's a very effective interface because we don't always know what they're going to ask about the data and the services they provide. Um, I do see a really huge use of that in training because many times right. the kind of providers you have are family members in the community. So mm-hmm. I'm taking care of my mother. So then um, when I get registered and the state obviously pays me some money for that, but when I have questions, how do I actually get to the right content to say, oh, this is how you know this medication gets given to someone? And it opens up that whole field in a really interface that you don't have to code the whole thing. Now, when we think about care and technology, one of the biggest things that the red flags or concerns are uh, HIPAA, right? That, that you're using information that talks about me as a patient. And sometimes that stuff is very, very private. Actually, it is very private. And how do you kind of go get around that or make sure that you are HIPAA compliant? So because we're using um, Microsoft's open, their version of OpenAI, it's all in your enterprise um, tenant. So that's lockdown, firstly. Secondly, we only make fields available at up to a certain risk value. So we're never going to share on that data set a social security number or stuff like that. So if someone gets clever and asks, um, if the field was never there, we you know we get a better chance of actually keeping it secure. But then I think it's all evolving. Um, you know, there's a a lot of a lot to be said for actually making sure how you classify your data. We're getting to the point where we're classifying specific fields and sets at this is secure data or this is not. So effectively taking a kind of DLP look at how we make data available for our downstream AI workloads. No, that's that's super awesome. Um, so what kind of customer benefits 
are your customers getting from using the platform? Okay. So they can, I, what I've seen is specifically for eligibility and when new consumers come in, the ability to really speed that process up. So in the past, we had, you know, it can take a couple of months for people to get through the eligibility processes and step through that. Now we can actually, with we do some document intelligence and things, we can pre-read the history and ask based summary questions with our open AI modules of the consumer history so that the person actually looking at eligibility can get a really good snapshot of where's this person at now. Right. Then the second part of it is, so as you do, so all the services really are based on assessments. So there's standard assessments, and according to an assessment, you then have scales in that assessment that says, well, because I've got this specific, so for ADSL, you know, um, I have to, I have to use a wheelchair. That immediately makes some services available. And then you have to, when you make then the agreement for the quality side of it between the consumer or patient um, and the state providing the service, you then, it basically says, well, because you've got that, then you can put the specific services in a plan for the consumer. So tying that up, I think, is a big part of it. A lot of that in the past has happened pretty ad hoc and someone that knows which service should um, fit in. And then after the fact, they do auditing of that. But we sort of do it before. So don't present the wrong service if you don't have a specific deficit or issue to drive it. So that's a big part of it. Then also transparency. Many of the state systems, it's hard for the different groups using it to actually see precisely what's happening data-wise, specific demographics. So that opens it up as well. And then this long-term record. A lot of the state assessments may only be available for a year or two. So now we're saying we've got people's data for many years. So you can do really interesting research things where you can say, well, for this specific zip code I in, I'm in, you can try to STOH, so to um, determinants of health data to say, or social determinants of health data to say, well, this consumer is in a food desert or it's a lower economic group. So what kind of services um, is normally in that region and where should we start with the services? So you can start predicting what's where you can add the most value to those consumers that unless you had this data all tied together, it's really hard to manage. So it sounds like you're creating the only, it, it sounds to me and tell me if I'm wrong, is it's it's really a chat GPT for accessibility, making sure individuals are in the right place, making sure that you're providing the right service to the right person at the right time. Absolutely. Is that what I'm getting at? Yeah. With the qualification, right service, the right time, but that they need firstly, but also what they desire for their life outcomes. So folding that in as well. So if you if someone is in a certain type of housing, but they want to change it, or they're in a day program 
to spend the time and work, but they don't want to do that that way anymore. Making sure you capture both sides of it. Um, yeah, but it's this whole person care. You want to care about the whole person for their lives and give them as much opportunities as possible. I love that. Love it. Yeah, me too. Now, Rian, uh, last question we want to ask you is, do you mind sharing a customer success story about some a customers using new care? Uh, just maybe the benefits yeah. that they were able to see or, or just sharing that use case. Yeah. So one of our um, first California customers was Inland Regional Center. So their job is, we've got a white paper out there, but they're they provide services to consumers in the disability space. It's a not-for-profit. They basically get funded by the state in terms of the services they do with consumers. So what we and they've got about 50,000 um, consumers that they manage in two specific zip codes. So this actually started happening um around COVID, where they were really used to, it was a thing where they went to people's homes and did all of this on paper, and then they signed it and the services got given. So all at once, when COVID hit, they had to take the whole workforce home with wow. nothing. So they basically sent them all um I think surface devices. And then we put the application together for them to allow them people to work from anywhere and do all of this electronic. Um, because in the past it was really, there was a system where they typed it in, but most of it was still paper-based. And then, then adding all the communication using teams to have these meetings, managing everything they do, um, utilizing the system. So that was a big part for them. Also, um, some of the work that people did were very intensive. So we did a lot of um, RPA to actually reach out to green screen systems and type in um, all the finance details straight for them so they don't have to go to multiple systems. There was a single system they could actually manage um, all their consumers on. And now they've got also real-time reporting, so they know who should be serviced when, who's falling behind, where the progress isn't done. So, but um, incredible customer because of what they do and the social sure. impact they have. But it's also fascinating to see how, you know, with direct technology, you can really make a difference. And that's what we're all about, empowering every organization on the planet to achieve more. Uh, Rian, it was a pleasure having you on to help us understand more about new care and how it's benefiting people in terms of the, uh, the crossroads with patient care and customer care and technology. So thank you for being a great guest on the show today. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Digestible Dynamics Podcast, a show for you, the innovators with content directly from the experts. While we only cover one tidbit of Dynamics 365 per episode, if you want to learn more, head over to our LinkedIn page by searching for Digestible Dynamics on LinkedIn so that we can guide you to the right resource to help you maximize your Dynamics 365 experience. If you have any other questions, email your host, KJ and KG at digestibledynamics at microsoft.com. Until next time, folks.